This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's give it up for the moms. We love you. Tell you what, if it wasn't for moms, we would all be in a world of hurt. Am I right? Oh, wow. I tell you, you know, moms just have this power, this ability, don't they? It's like, you know, if they skin a knee, you know, the, our, my children never say, Daddy, no. They say, Mom, right? Um, you know, another thing is, is, like, if you get a tattoo, like I was actually thinking about getting a tattoo, having Lauren draw this on my arm, say, Mom. You know, when you get a tattoo, you don't get one of Dad. You get one of Mom, right? Maybe next year. You know, like when they pan the sidelines of a, of a football game, you know, and, and they're, they're panning the, all the players, you never hear, you know, hey, dad. No, they, you say, hi, mom, right? It's like, that's what they're doing. These players are like, hi, mom. So that's the power of moms. And so, you know, moms, moms truly are awesome. Um, now, uh, it took me a few years to learn that concept of moms being awesome because um, when we um, had our first child, I made a, a, a very dire mistake, one I have not lived down, and, and that was my wife had just given birth to Lauren, and, and uh, her parents were there, and they were consoling her and just telling her what a great job she did and how amazing she was, and her dad, you know, and her, I think it was her dad said, you just, you're just amazing, and I was like, I'll tell you what's amazing are those lights. <laughs> I know. I know, I know, it was a stupid thing to do. Because what they did is, I'm sorry, I just made a mistake, but I, that's, that's how I learned that moms are amazing. The lights in the room are not amazing because they hit this button and the lights went, you know, right when it was ready, time to have the baby. And so, I'm sorry, you know, it's just, don't look at me in that tone of voice. There's other guys in here that have done that. I know, I'm completely insensitive, but the thing remains that moms are amazing. And so, you know, um, as, we, as we get into this, you know, there's, there was something that my wife pointed out. There's this, uh, this amazing thing that happens with, when moms uh, uh, carry a baby, and it's called the fetal maternal Microism. I think I might have pronounced that wrong, but it doesn't really matter. What it, what it talks about is in this in this article is is that when a mother carries a baby, that that there's cer- cells that that circulate from the mother to the child and and all around. It's like this it's like this cycle that's really really amazing. And what it does is it leaves this permanent imprint not only on the child but it also leaves this permanent imprint on the mother. And, and it's amazing because it, what the article talks about is, is that when a mother has things that are wrong or things that are uh, um, needing repaired in her body, the cells from that baby will cycle back to the mother and repair those things. And I just think what, what's amazing about it is, is that a baby helps to repair the mother while the mother builds the baby. And it's, it's this cycle of, of, of this transfer, so to speak, of healthy cells from from the mother to the child. And today I want to talk to you guys about uh, legacy of faith. 
because um, I think that this transfer that we're talking about from a natural standpoint, it's not only a, a, not only is it a natural transfer that takes place between a mother and a child, but there's a transfer that takes place between uh, 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 us as believers, as parents, as grandparents, uh, uh, to the people that are around us. You know, that we need to be working to transfer what it is that we believe. This firm persuasion and this firm belief and this revelation that we've had about about the things of God and what it is that he can do in our lives, we as believers and mothers and parents need to work to transfer, that make this spiritual transfer into the lives of those that are around us. Um, you know, um, in 2 Timothy 1.5, and, and I put much of this stuff in your notes and so you can follow along, they'll be on the, on the screens. And, and you know, you might be thinking, well, 2 Timothy is kind of a weird verse of scripture to use for Mother's Day. Well, you know, I just go with me on it because I think that you'll get something out of this because what we're going to see here is, is we're going to see something that took place in the lives of three generations. And that's really what I'm trying to get across to, to all of us today is to think about this idea that, you know, it's not just our generation. It's the generation that is to follow and it's the next generation. The things that we do and the way that we live doesn't just affect us. It's, it's you know, the life of faith and believing God is not for us to get things and, 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 and all that per se. That's part of it. But the thing that we carry, the genuine faith that we carry inside of each and every one of us needs to be continued on. There needs to be a legacy. And so it's up to me as a believer to make sure that it happens. It's up to you to make sure that that happens in your life. And so look at what it says here in 2 Timothy 1.5. It says, I remember your genuine faith. Now, what this is, and just to give you a little precursor, Paul is talking to Timothy. And Paul, if you guys remember, he wrote much of the New Testament. Well, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. And Timothy was in Paul's life, and, and Paul loved him dearly. And so Paul was encouraging Timothy in this verse of Scripture. And it says, this is Paul talking to Timothy. And he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois. Think about that. Paul knew, must have known his, or knew of his grandmother, but he said, that faith filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. I just think, you know, when you think about that verse of scripture, just that continuation, that legacy, that, that transfer of faith, that transfer of belief from one generation to the next generation is so important because Paul was telling Timothy, man, listen, you've got a transfer of faith. You've got a legacy of faith that's coming down from the generations that were before you. And so genuine faith, it filled his grandmother Lois, it also filled his Eunice, and now it fills him. You know, legacy is defined as the long-lasting impact of a particular event or action that took place in the past or of a person's life. In a person's life. So the legacy that we have is that long-lasting effect that we have on the generations that are to follow. And so genuine faith is transferable from one generation to the next. And as leaders in the church, as grandparents, as parents, I believe, number one in your notes, actually it's not number one, it's just the number one point, is that we must transfer genuine faith to the next generation. You and I are carriers of faith. 
And it is our job to convey, to transfer, to plant, and to, and to deposit this genuine faith into those that are around us. You know, I myself am a result of this transfer of faith. Mom, will you stand up? Happy Mother's Day. You got to turn around and look at the camera, though. So my mom and my dad, they got saved when they were close to being a little bit out of high school. They made a decision, a, a different decision, a different decision. You know, they, they were both raised in different households and different homes, but they made a decision because they knew that they were without a savior. And so they began to make a decision to follow him. They began to make a decision to look to him for the principles and the guidance of their life. And as a result, I am the legacy of their faith. I am the transfer of their faith. And, and another um, person that, that I want to think, uh, that I think about when I think about this, this idea of a transfer of faith is, is a lady that I can remember going into her basement as a little boy. And we, dad would go to her house and we'd walk downstairs, you know, and, and uh, she'd be sitting behind this desk just working for the church. She worked for, uh, it's Deanna Klon, she worked for the church for almost, I think, 40 years. And she'd sit down in that basement because we didn't have a building at that point, and she would, you know, uh, meticulously go through and make sure that everything was in order. She'd take care of the business affairs of our church. And then as, after, and I, when I came back, I got to watch her for, for 20 years in that office do the very same thing. And, 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 but not only did I watch her uh, um, work this work, you know, and give her life and watch her husband and watch him, you know, watch them sacrificially give to the church, but I watched them build a legacy. I watched them transfer their faith from one generation to the next. They did it with their, their work. She did it with her work when she was at church. But, but, but not only that, her and her husband, they stood with my mom and dad through thick and thin. They prayed. They gave sacrificially. And, and so they, they took what it was that they believed and transferred it into the next generation. And I believe that their reward is great in heaven because of that. But not only that, they did it in their family. They took that, what, what it is that they believe, and they transferred it into their kids. And so we, we have a video that we want to show you just real quick of Deanna Klon. My name is Deanna Klon, and for 51 years, I was married to Terrell, who did volunteer work at the church after he retired. We have three grown daughters who are married to three very, very wonderful boys. I've got seven grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. A lot of times children learn as much by observation as they do being taught or talked to. And so I think the atmosphere in a home, the peace in a home, the way you treat each other as husband and wife teaches your daughters or your sons how they should treat mates or friends. My husband always told the kids, we'll give you a lot of rope, don't trip yourself. <laughs> when it came to things like curfews and, and those type of things, maybe because they grew up knowing what we expected of them, we didn't have to keep really tight reins on them. If you bring children into this world, God expects you to teach them about him and to bring them up in the church where they're fed and can grow. 
And I was trying to think this morning, there's one particular scripture, and I believe it was Abraham, and it said that God said he could bless him because he knew he would bring his children up to know the Lord. So I think it's, I mean, I think that's just our responsibility as parents. Sunday wasn't, it wasn't, are we going to go to church? We went to church. I mean, it wasn't, you didn't on Saturday decide whether you were going to go to church. It was just that was part of our life. You went to church. I think I'm most grateful for God's faithfulness. I lost my husband suddenly um, with no expectation it was going to happen. And so God filled me with such a peace at that time. I just can't describe it. I couldn't have, I don't know how I would have dealt with it without his peace. On my way to the hospital, he kind of spoke to my heart and said, what if he doesn't make it? At first I started to rebuke it, and then I thought, no God, if he doesn't make it, I'm gonna serve you anyway. And so I think God's faithfulness and his peace in so many situations, and I often pray that for people if they lose a loved one, that God will just fill them with a peace because that's the only way you can get through things like that. If it comes to you know family members, I think, you never give up on them and you stand on the promises of God. If you brought that child up in the church and they were taught the word and they, you know, and if for some reason they seem to be straying, you just never quit praying for them. I've got three grandsons that are in college. I pray all the time that God will direct their footsteps, that he'll bring them into contact with other Christians, that he'll open up doors of opportunity for them in a place where that he has for them, you know, where, because I know that's where they'll be the happiest. That's where they'll be the most contented in their lives. So just never quit praying for them and never keep, quit believing the promises of God. Let's give Deanna a hand. What an amazing story. Trusting God. She stood on the promises. She always looked to God. She remembered him and his faithfulness in those tough times. And not only that, she continues to pray for her family. All of these things, you know, come into this, this idea of transferring your faith and leaving its legacy to the next generation of people that are around you. And, and so genuine faith isn't, uh, you know, and its transfer doesn't come without its challenges. You know, when I think about, you know, Timothy... You know, and, and you think about his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Um, for those that you don't know, uh, Timothy's dad was Greek and his mother was Jewish. And so, you know, you, you, I'm sure there was, there was cultural battles that were going on there. I'm sure that, you know, um, in one commentary it said that Greeks were very strong-willed and, and as a, a Greek man, they demanded their own way. And so I'm sure that Timothy's mom and dad, man, they, they butted some heads, you know, in, in the raising of Timothy. But, but what I think about is, is that Eunice, she pushed through. She persevered. She continued. Why? Because she wanted, she wanted Timothy to grow up in, 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 in the admission of the Lord and want, to serve, want him to serve God and, and do great things. And so I'm sure that it, there, it was tough. I'm sure that there was challenges. I'm sure that, that she had to persevere and pray and believe for Timothy's life. And so, you know, um, 
it, 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 has to, it, it can be a challenge, and I'm sure that it was a fight for Eunice. And so in your notes, the next point is, is that we must contend for the faith. As moms, as parents, as believers, we must contend for the faith that's in us, that's around us for the generations to follow. And you know what's really cool about it is, is that Eunice, she succeeded. She succeeded because it says that, that when Paul came back on his second missionary uh, visit to the area that they lived in, it said that, he, that Timothy had grown into a highly respected disciple of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but you know, as we raise our kids, that's what I want. I want that, 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 that transfer of faith into my kids and that legacy of faith into my kids that was started with my parents. I want to bring that to them, and I want them to bring that to my grandchildren. And so it's up to me to continue to take these steps, even when it's challenging, even when, it, when it's not easy, even when it doesn't look like it's working, I'm going to contend for the faith. Although Timothy had the same genuine faith that was passed down from generations, when Paul wrote to him in the second letter to Timothy, the young man was facing a big mountain in life. And so that's really kind of where we pick, pick up this section of the story. And, and what was going on was that Timothy had grown up and he was now a pastor and he was uh, working to lead this church that, that, that Paul had started. And he basically turned Timothy over uh, and said, here, I'm going to let you lead this and, and I want you to, uh, to do this. And, but Timothy had to come back because... Um, Timothy was facing some very, very challenging times. And it says that, that Nero had become the emperor of, Roman, uh, from, uh, of the Roman Empire. And because of his tyrannical rule, believers were being persecuted and were even dying from the faith. And so in the midst of all of this turmoil and in the midst of all of this stuff that was going on, uh, Timothy was tempted to panic. He was tempted to be timid. He was tempted to be afraid. And so Paul came to him and he said, you know, I don't want you to be afraid. And so, you know, as we look at this, this, this story, we can see that, that uh, there's this transfer. And so I want to I talk to you guys today about four steps that we can take as believers to transfer faith from one generation to the next, to take four steps to leave a legacy in our lives. And so number one in your notes is found here in 2 Timothy. It's kind of at the end of the scripture that we're reading today, but it's 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so just as we, we, we heard, he was, Timothy was dealing with some very, very challenging things. And what, what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do here is to number one in your notes, don't be afraid. And I think that the same thing is true in our lives, you know, that, that we are going to have to face our fears. It doesn't matter if we're a mom, it doesn't matter if we're a dad, it doesn't matter if we're a grandparent, it doesn't matter who we are, we are going to face fears. I think that the enemy knows us. He knows how we work. He knows what, what causes us to be timid. He knows what causes us to, to bring fear into our lives or question, or maybe it's not fear, but maybe it's doubt. And he's going to work on us in those things. And so we have to make a decision and make a determination in our lives that we will not be afraid. You know, I, when we think about moms, you know, I was talking with Rachel about it, is, is just this fear of not being enough. You know, she called it mom guilt. You know, I have no idea what mom guilt is. I'm a dad. I don't have much dad guilt, obviously. <laughs> but moms have guilt. 
And, and right or wrong, they have guilt that they're not enough, that they're not giving everything that they need to give, or, uh, you know, and they begin to try in the natural and do what it is that they know to do, but somehow it just seems like it never lives up, and it just, it's not enough. But I'm here today to tell you that you are enough. If you're a mom and you have mom guilt, you are more, you, you are enough through him. Jesus said that, that, that he said right here, that uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so when those moments come where you're in fear and you're, fear, you know, you're, you're afraid of not being enough, you need to answer that with this idea that, you know what, I, in my own strength, I'm not enough. But with his strength, I am, I am enough. And begin to cast your cares on him and, 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 and fight that fear that comes against you. I know that for some, you know, we worry about our kids. You know, there's times, in, there's been times in my life where it's like, you know, if, if something's going on, you begin to wonder, you're like, okay, you know, am I doing what it is that I need to do? Am I, am I saying what it is that I need to say? Am I directing the way that I need to direct? And, and so as parents, we have to, we have to fight that fear with the word of God. You know, a friend of mine was talking about the fact that he was, he was raised in a Christian home and uh, came to know the Lord at a young age. But he made the decision to go away from Christ. And, um, you know, his, he's, he just talked about how his mom stood on the promise of Isaiah 54, 13. It says that all of your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. And so, you know, here's, here's, here's my friend, man, and he's off doing his thing and, and living, living the way that he wants to live, not living at all how his mom trained him up. But you know what she did? She didn't get afraid. She, she, she held on to Isaiah 54, 13. He's, he said that there'd be times that people in the community would come back to her and say, hey, I saw your son at the bar. And you know what her answer was? That's not my son. And she just continued to believe that, that, that he would come back to the Lord, that he would begin to follow him. And I can tell you today that my friend is following Jesus. But you know why he's following Jesus? He's following Jesus because his mother contended for the faith. She, she stood firm on the promise of God's word to her. And so he is a living example of that today. And the same thing can be true for us. Fear will tempt us to think that we've messed up. It'll tempt us to think we've failed. It'll tempt us to think that there's no hope. It'll tempt us to think, where did I go wrong? But Timothy dealt with this same fear, and Paul told him, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so when this fear comes, we have to say, nope, I'm not going to be afraid. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? I love what Jesus said in John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave you with. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I don't know about you, but that is a great promise to us when we come into these times in our lives where we are tempted to fear. He said, don't fear, do not be afraid. And so that's a great promise for us. So the second thing that we can look at here in our notes here is the second step that we can take to transfer genuine faith to those that are around us is in 2 Timothy 1.6. It says, therefore, I remind you. I wonder what Timothy needed reminding of. Oh, he was a man. I guess, I guess there's a lot of things we need to be reminded of. 
My wife, she's always having to remind me of stuff. She asked me to go find something. It's right here. No, it's not there. Maybe that's different. That's different than reminding. That's more like you can't find it. It's like right in front of your face. But she has to remind me a lot. So, but no, Timothy had to be reminded. What was it that he had to be reminded of? God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness was a part of Timothy's family heritage. Timothy needed to remember that God had been faithful to his grandmother and to his mother and that he would also be faithful to Timothy. So number two in your notes is this, is that we need to remember his faithfulness. You know, I found this. It says that it's amazing that when we are confronted with a new challenge, we often fail fail to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Our perspective gets blurry because of our problems that we are currently facing, and we forget that we have gone through similar or worse circumstances before. And we forget that, uh, and the looming mountain of the problems before us looks so big, we momentarily fail to remember that all of the other mountains that we've already faced and that God has already overcome. You know, when I think about God's faithfulness, I just think there's, there's so many stories that I could tell, but I can remember one that really just sticks in my mind, and that was when we first got married, and, you know, we're looking for a house, and, and we're, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted our own house, and uh, so we were looking, and we're going through, I drug my wife through some really, really nasty houses, and I'm like, there's tons of potential here, I could do this, I could tear this out, we could do this, she didn't see any of it, and that's okay, because, well, some of them were just bad. But there was this one we, we found, and we looked at it, and uh, we thought, this is great. It's tippy top of our budget, but we're going to just do this. And so we made an offer, and they accepted, and then we did our due diligence, and we had them you know, uh, um, look at the house and inspect it, and they inspected it, and then they red-tagged the furnace. And uh, you know, this, this couple was just like, well, that's your deal. I'm like, no, it's not my deal. That's your deal. I don't own the house, you own the house. And, you know, and so basically the whole deal fell apart and we went our separate ways and we moved into the mouse house and lived happily ever after. <laughs> you know, that just is a testament of God's faithfulness right there. Because we moved into this house, guys, and it was... That thing needs to be burned to the ground. Let's just put it that way. But I mean, one night, I'm not kidding you, I think it was, I think it was probably... Maybe the only time I've ever lied to my wife. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. Because we were laying in bed this one night, and it was in the fall. And I'm not kidding you guys. Like, I've heard parties at college. It was like the mice were having a party in our kitchen. They were yelling, hey, bring the cheese over here. Bring the bread over here. I'm not kidding you. They opened up the refrigerator and got inside of it and got stuff out, put it on the counter, and had a big party and didn't think anything of it. And that was the night that my wife was laying there and she said, are those mice? I said, no, no, those aren't mice. As I hear one drop into the return air vent right next to me. That lie didn't work because the next day she woke up, she didn't say a word to me before she left for work. She said, I don't care what you're doing, but I'm leaving and I'm going to your parents. You can do whatever you want to do. But God was faithful because we're still married. We just celebrated 20 years of marriage this week. And so God's faithful. 
I mean, you know, when, when, when a deal falls through and you think you have your heart set on it and it's like, man, you know, that's what I really wanted. I just, because they came back to us a few months later after all hell had broken loose and the mice had taken over and I was fighting them off with a machete and a pitchfork. Actually, I caught 11 in three days. That's how bad it was. But anyway, they came back to us and they said, hey, we put a new furnace in, we lowered the price, I made an offer even lower, and I saved thousands of dollars on the same house. But you know, in the midst of it, it's like you, you, your heart is like bummed out, and it's sad, and it's disappointed, and, 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 and you get your eyes on how you think it should go. But God's faithful, man. He comes through. He will come through every single time if you will just continue to trust him. And so we have to remember his faithfulness in our lives. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10.23. It says to let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And so today I want to remind you that you have a heritage of Christ and that he is faithful and he will come through for you as you begin to walk out this life and live for Christ. You know, you may not, you may, your parents may have not served Christ. They may not be like Lois and Eunice and Deanna and my parents, but you know what? You can be the beginning of a new story and a new chapter and a new book in, in, in the generations that are, are to follow you. Someday they could look back on your life and say, that is where my life changed. That is where my heritage of faith and, and it started. It was back here with, with my grandpa or my grandma. But it's up to us to continue to stand in that and, 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 and live in that and remember his faithfulness when we are tempted to be afraid and when things aren't going right. It's like, no, 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 man, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm gonna remember his faithfulness in my life. I'm gonna be an example to my kids. I'm gonna be an example to my grandkids. I'm gonna be an example to those that are around me. And so transferring genuine faith to all those that are around us will require us, one, to not be afraid, two, remember his faithfulness. And the next thing is found here in 2 Timothy 1.6. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Why would Paul tell Timothy to stir up the gift? Well, I think that, he, that, that you know, there was a specific gift that was placed upon Timothy's life because he was a pastor. But, but, you know, it doesn't, you know, the word of God is for all of us and it's not just for Timothy, it's for us also. And I believe that, that he told him to stir up that gift, to keep it alive, to keep the, the flame going. He, he, he told him to stir it up because he knew that opposition and challenge would come to his life. You know, when I think about stirring up, I can remember growing up in our, in our old house and we had this fireplace. It was a real fireplace and dad, you know, was always trying to build these fires in there. And he, I don't even think he had one of those you didn't have one of those, did you? We should have bought one of those. That would have been a great Father's Day gift. But what's he doing? Man, he's down there. He's like, I mean, he's just blowing to beat the band, trying to get this fire to go. And then the fire would die out. And he's down there, man. I mean, I came in one day and he's laying on his back and there's just smoldering, right? He had to stir up that fire. And the same thing is true in our lives as believers. You, we have an ember of faith. And our daily walk and our daily disciplines determine if that ember and that fire is going to continue to burn hot and, 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 and flame or, or it's going to die out and it's going to smolder. Some of us have smoldering embers 
in the fireplace of life. And you need to get down on your hands and knees like Pastor Mike and begin to blow on that ember of faith that is in your life. And get it to stir it up and, and, and get it to burn hot. Because I mean to tell you, man, when, 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 when the storms of life come and the challenges of life come, you need your fire, your faith fire needs to burn hot. Because then you can stand firm. You can stand strong. You can know where your trust is and it's in him. So we have to stir up those promises. No matter where you are in life, you must stir up those promises. Whether you want to be a mom, maybe you're in the thick of being a mom, maybe you have kids that have left the house, maybe you have kids that, that are having kids, you begin to stir up the promises. It never ends. It never stops. You, you, we never, as believers, we never get to be like, well, and kick our feet up on the footstool of life and say, I'm done. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to stir myself up. No, we have to stir ourselves up. And so in your notes, there's four things that you can do to stir up, stir up the gift inside of you. You need to find them. Find what? Find the promises. Find them. Number two, think them. Number two, number three, speak them. And number four, pray them. Proverbs 31:28 says that her children will rise up and call her blessed. That's a promise to you as a mother that your children will rise up and call you blessed. And so you have to stand on that promise. You have to say, no, no, no. My children will rise up and call me blessed. You're going to have to stand through, through storms and challenges with your husband, and you're going to have to say, no, we're going to do this. Our children will rise. They will call us blessed. They will honor us. And in turn, they will honor the Lord. Another uh, scripture that I see is in Malachi 4, 6. And it says, and he turned the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. We can see two promises in this verse of scripture. And that is number one, the reconciliation of families. That's not in your notes, but maybe it's up there. I don't know. You can write it in your notes. The reconciliation of families. You know, if your family's been torn apart because of poor decisions and things that have taken place in life, I'm here today to tell you that you have a promise, promise in the Word of God that your, that your family can be reconciled. Am I telling you it's going to happen overnight? No, nope, I'm not telling you that. But I can tell you that if you will begin to get a hold of this promise in your life and begin to you know, speak it out and pray it out and confess it and, and, and model it in your home, you will reap the benefits of it. You will watch as the Lord reconciles your family back into right standing with one another. The other thing is, the other promise that we see is ch children turning back to God. Now, I have a heritage of faith and I'm a rule follower, so I didn't stray. But I know a couple other ones in my family that did. I didn't specifically ask my mom and dad what they did or what verse of scripture they stood on when it came to this, you know, their children coming back, but they did. They prayed. I know, I know they prayed because they, they, they were told things about my life when I wasn't necessarily walking the line that I was amazed and didn't know who told them, but it was the Holy Spirit. And so my point is, is that we have, they, they, they stood in the gap and you, you are standing in the gap. When a child goes a different way and makes a different choice, it's not a reflection of what you did or didn't do per se. You know, because they have a free will. We all have a free will. And, and, and that child gets to the age of accountability where they have to begin to make decisions on their own and they have to, they have a free will in the matter. 
But it does not change our responsibility as a parent, as a grandparent, as a loved one to stand in the gap for them and to, and to make a determination that, you know what, I am not going to just, just resign myself to the fact that they're going to walk away from the Lord. No, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to confess the word over them and I'm going to believe. And if it takes 16 years like it took for my friend, I'm not going to stop. And I'm going to stay in it until they come back. And I, and I know that there's going to be hurt. I know that there's going to be pain, but I know that my God is faithful. I know that the, the God that I believe in, that he promised me a heritage. And that heritage is a family and kids that follow and love God. And so my encouragement to you today is to stick with it, to stay with it, even when it hurts, even when there's tears. You need to push through it, you need to pray, you need to believe, and they will return because you have a promise right here in Malachi 4.6. I like what it says here in, in uh, Psalms 127.3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So your promise is, is that those kids of yours are a heritage. They're your heritage. The genuine faith that is in them is in you. It was first in you, and now it's in them. And that is your heritage. And so that is what you stand on. His word will not return void. It will accomplish in their life. I speak to that seed. I speak to that seed that is in their life. And, I be, and you begin to proclaim that promise in their life, that the voice of a stranger they will not follow. That they, are, that they are following hard after the things of God. That they love and want to know him. That they are honoring him with their life. And you just begin to speak those things. Even when it doesn't look like there's a change, you speak those things over their life. And you will watch him turn that situation. Because those kids are your reward. They are your heritage. And you have to, you have, to have a determination that you are not going to let go. I will not allow the enemy to cut off my legacy. I will not allow the enemy to cut off the, 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 the legacy of faith that is in my generation from the generations that are to follow. It's just a determination. And you and I both know that Lois and Eunice and Timothy and mainly her, his, his grandmother and his mother, they had to do that. They had to do that. It wasn't a cakewalk. I mean, we read the scripture, but we don't know all the background behind it. But I guarantee you that there's background and I guarantee you that there was challenges and there was, there was things that they had to do in that situation. And the same thing is true for us. And so as we bring this thing to a close, Linda and the team, if you guys want to go up, you can. You know, the last thing that I want to make note of is the fourth point is this, and it's in 2 Timothy 1.7, and it's not in your notes, and it's not up there, but we did read it. It says, for God has given us, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so number four in your notes is this, you need to stand up in his strength, in his strength. Because what's that saying to us? It's saying, God's not given you a spirit of fear. What has he given you? He's given you the, the, the power. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. And so, you know, in, in, in this idea of, you know, leaving a legacy in our lives, we need to know and walk in this truth that he has given us power. He's given us power in our jobs. He's given us power in our families. He's given us power in our communities. The question is, is are we standing in that? We've got to stand up. 
You know, we have to stand up in what it is that we know and stand up for what it is that we know. I'm not saying to be argumentative, but it's just like drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you may not be serving the Lord right now, but you're going to. And you know, you don't have to beat them up on it. You know, kids that are away and kids that maybe are teenagers and not serving God, you don't have to beat them up with it. Because it's just like Deanna, you know, it's that example. They lived a life. They set a standard. They had principles that were in their home. And kind of by nature, her kids just kind of followed suit. You know, so it starts with me as, as a dad. You know, if, if I'm living right and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm reading the word, my kids see that I'm living for Christ and wanting to follow him and all of those things, that's, that's half the battle. And then the next thing is really just, just the training and the direction, you know, where you're working with them. I think most importantly, we really didn't talk about this today, and that is love. That no matter what, no matter what decision they make, they need to know that you love them. <laughs> kind of a funny thing I was thinking about. It doesn't really honor my mom very much, but it's funny. Because when my mom disciplined me, she'd always say to me, this is going to hurt me more than you. Now, as I walked away, I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but she did it because she loved me. You know, she, she disciplined us because she loved us. And the same thing is true when it comes to people that are around you. Everything we do should be out of love. We should speak out of love. We should, we should encourage out of love. We should ask God, hey, Lord, I need, a, I need an opportunity with this person because I love them. I'm not going to push myself on them. I'm not going to push what it is that I believe on them because I don't know if they're ready. But Lord, I ask you to open up a door in their life because I see that, that their family does not have a legacy of genuine faith. And I recognize that they need that, that, that their story and their family tree needs to be changed. And I'm that person. You know, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that either. We, we spent more time talking about the kids. But guys, it's so much more than the kids and the legacy of our own family tree. It's the other family trees that we have been called to affect as believers. You know, that it's not just for us and just gathering here and then walking out the door and celebrating Mother's Day. It's like, Lord, man, send somebody my way. Let me, let me run into somebody at the gas station or McDonald's or a drive-thru or whatever. Wherever you go, whatever it is that you do, ask him. Say, Lord, help me to, to be bold and share this legacy of faith, this genuine faith that I have inside of me with somebody else. Because it's changed my life. I'm, see, I'm seeing the fruit of it in my own kids' life. And I want to see that other people's lives are changed. So what I want to do today... Before we get, go any further, because I don't know everybody that's in here, I want to give you guys an opportunity to rededicate your life or, or give your heart to Christ because, you know, that's where it all starts. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, um, as, we, as we bring our service to a close, is there anybody in here that maybe you're not right with God and you've seen that this genuine faith that you should be living, you're not living? If you're in, in, in here today, if just with the, just your hand raised, just let us know if you're that person. Anybody in here? Okay. And then finally, salvation. You've never given your heart to Christ and you want to 
make a choice to follow him. You want to begin this legacy of faith. Is there anybody in here? Anybody at all? Today is the day. Don't let another day go by. I see that hand. I see that hand. Perfect. Perfect. Anybody else? You can put it right back down. Your life will never be the same. Today is the day that is changing your family tree because you're making that choice. So let's just pray with this one and then we'll, they'll move on. Just everybody follow after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your son. I confess my sin to you today and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you, Father, to change my family tree. I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. As we close, I want to do something. If you're a mom, I want you guys to stand up. And I'm not going to have you come down here. Just stand up. Come on, stand up. If, you're, if you want to be a mom, stand up. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to gather around these moms. And we're going to pray for these moms. Now, we may not have enough people, so maybe you just all need to gather together. Moms can gather together. Just scoot together, find a mom, and we're going to pray for these moms. Because the job of being a mom is not always easy. And so today we want to encourage, we want to equip, we want to pray over these, these mothers, we want to declare the promises of God. And so let's gather together around a mom right now and let's pray. Find a mom. Everybody found a mom? Come on, let's find a mom. Listen, guys, I need you guys to engage with me here. This is not just a, a simple prayer. This is a prayer that's going to change things. This is a prayer that's going to change things forever in people's lives. And so there are moms here today that are hurting. There are moms today that, that, that need guidance. They need direction. They need help. Some of them are single. And we're going to pray for them. And so don't let this just be me praying. I need you to agree with me. I need you to add that genuine faith that you have on the inside of you with me today. Because there are some mothers that are here today that need help from heaven. And today is the day that they are going to be set free and changed by his power. And so let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today. And we just want to thank you, Father God, for these mothers that are in this room. Father, you, you know exactly what it is that's going on in their lives. You know the pains. You know the hurts. You know the things that they've prayed in the secrecy of their own home. And Father, you see it. And today, Father God, as a body of believers, a people with genuine faith, Father God, people that are leaving a legacy, Father, we lift up these mothers in our midst to you today, Father, and we pray over them. And just as, as Paul told Timothy, we, we proclaim that they should not fear. We take authority over the fear that is trying to grab them. We take authority over the doubt that is trying to grab hold of them. We take authority over the depression, the anxiety, the frustration. We take authority over it today in the name of Jesus and we declare freedom in these moms' lives. Father, I speak life. I speak health. 
I speak strength to each and every single one of them, Father God, that as they walk out the doors of this church, Father, that they will be lifted, that they will be, the, the weight that has been upon them, Father God, will be lifted. And Father, I thank you that they will be set free. And the same power, Father God, that you gave to Timothy, you give to them and you give to us as believers, Father God. And so today we proclaim life, health, strength, and vitality in these mothers as they go to raise their kids up, to stand strong, Father God, in what it is that they know and what it is that they believe. And I thank you, Father, that you are strengthening each and every one of them this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agreed said, amen, amen, amen. And so now what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to close out our service. And we're going to sing this song, and they can come forward and begin to sing. Because what we're doing now, we've prayed. Something has taken place in the hearts and in the lives of moms. But now what we're going to do is we're going to begin to honor God, and we're going to worship Him with our, with our praise. We're going to begin to thank Him with our, with our mouth. And if you're a mother, this is your opportunity to begin to do just that. And so we're going we're gonna to sing this song, and I just encourage you guys to enter into this song. Thank you, thank you, thank you.